Halo is the best app to ever use if you want to get closer to God. It comes from Catholic Christian standards, and it can quite frankly help anyone get closer to God regardless of if they're a Protestant or a Catholic, or perhaps you're just starting your journey to understand your Holy Creator. You can pray alongside of famous Christian Catholics like Mark Wahlberg and Liam Neeson, and there is a 30-day free trial. Make sure to download it on the App Store today. For those on the left who are currently enjoying the current state of Catholicism, as the acknowledgement of normalcy in the terms of sexuality is currently being slowly but surely depleted beyond every single point of understanding, all for the means of decimation towards a church wanting to be upholding the standards of Jesus' disciple Peter by not upholding the discipleship of Jesus himself, at least we can look at a denomination disguised as Anglicanism, disguised as Protestantism, Disguised as the latest YouTube fraud that scams people out of their retirement savings, disguised as a denomination that currently isn't one, unless you're watching propaganda programming Prosperity Gospel on the television from 2006. Miller Whitehead, whose last name I'm actually not making up, has been preaching and teaching, quote, a ministry to engage and assist every member in developing a relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that wasn't plagiarized as a mission statement by everyone else, by equipping them with the knowledge of his word right after we're done actually getting robbed at gunpoint, like a scene from Scarface and Ozark, if they're mixed together because of our connections being perfectly biblical beyond repro reproach. Unquote. The social media pages for the international leaders of tomorrow, not to get confused with the movie Edge of Tomorrow, mixed with the spammy AT&T phone plan job paying $11 an hour bi-weekly, which appears to have their similar action scenes minus the aliens and outer spaceships, even though he probably thought about adding those in with his designer clothing and Rolls Royce, mixed with everyone else's retirement savings, that definitely doesn't sound similar to a Ponzi scheme designed and disclosed as a pyramid scheme disguised as a church because you somehow don't know the difference, has recently this past Friday gone to court over documentation of wire fraud, which is an extreme surprise and also a subject in Scarface and Ozark if they were mixed together, and extortion, which is also an extreme surprise, which is also a subject of Scarface and Ozark if they were mixed together, after he was arrested after being robbed at his church during a service and possibly being the first person to actually have that happen in the U.S., which totally never happens when you don't have bad connections like the Vatican in the past and corrupt parish parishes nowadays and when you call someone something international mixed with leaders of tomorrow, like you tricked someone into working a pyramid scheme disguised as a Ponzi scheme disguised as a spammy AT&T phone sales position, paying $11 on the hour before tax bi-weekly every other month, disguised as a church denomination that gets confused with the movie Edge of Tomorrow because you don't know anything else about actual church denominations, unless you're driving a Rolls Royce in Hollywood, like Whitehead, in which you would still not know anything about actual church, even more so, having to defend his ministry of being spiritually integrity-based by trying to have people not realize they were involved with the international leaders of tomorrow, and possibly deleting themselves off of every social media platform if they got the chance. My approval rating is lower than my age, so let's drink a beer. Mayor Eric Adams of New York stated that everyone should check the documentation 
and see that there is nothing going on between me and the accused, like extorting people out of their life savings, which is what the documentation shows. And by the way, didn't the prosecutor say he exaggerated his ties to me? Or was that what I heard after we had dinner together discussing how we can make millions together, like a scene from Scarface and Ozark mixed together? Oh wait, then there's also Whitehead's recent conviction of the same offense, which had a prison term of about a half decade. Oh crap, wait a second, that was the prosecutor's job. Sorry, damn it, I'm a little bit rusty since my last time in court yesterday. Unquote. White said, quote, I didn't do anything at all. Don't let the emblem for the church, not a denomination, copying most church cults with felony fraudulent and abuse convictions confused with non-related action films fool you. By the way, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Every subscription counts so I can commit fraud again. We only have gotten a couple thousand to a hundred views, and that was from last year, three years ago, before I had the great idea to commit fraud and start an Instagram account, unquote. Speaking of beyond stupid church occurrences, Stephen Fedick, one of the only pastors that looks like he is always about to sell you his new hip weight loss drug while biking on a Peloton stationary bicycle while telling you you're doing a certain machine at the gym incorrectly, has praised his teenage son's public music video discussing rap music rituals of committing felonies and sexual actions, similar to if you started a church plant after you were in prison for five years before committing fraud and extortion, before committing fraud and extortion five years later. Fedek stated, quote, This is the part where you inspire me the most, because even with autotune, letting your voice be heard, even by your own ears, can be intimidating, especially after you get arrested for extortion and fraud after posting it to YouTube. Perhaps I'll go on ahead and make five more Instagram accounts for Peloton. You are an inspiration, and you will definitely be preaching a new workshop next week with the mayor of New York. Let's drink a beer because my approval rating is lower than my age, Adams, entitled, Everything is okay if it's criminal, as long as you're using auto-tune in a megachurch. And also, no, you cannot buy that AR-15 as a 16-year-old with my credit card, but you can go ask your mother and possibly use hers. Unquote. Fedek. Then positioned and defended his support for his parenting style of not having one on social media by blocking the entire human race before next week's sermon at 11 a.m. titled Pharaoh let my people go away from my own parenting style which is non-existent unquote he then deleted that sermon title and replaced it with a cookout and a peloton bike sale because it's always above 80 degrees in california i'm jonathan dysart this is the rights perspective show We are again back to discuss the fall of religious tradition and the issues currently going on in the religious world today. Now, before we start with our first story, I have to discuss 
something really quick because obviously with my choice of the YouTube video a couple of days ago, I, I knew that YouTube was probably going to have an issue with it. But of course I did it anyway because it takes time to come up with ideas and that was the best idea I had and it was an idea I really had on my mind to get out theologically, philosophically, and ethically. The YouTube video that I did called How the Soul Destroys the Abortion Arguments, at first it kind of sort of sounds like some sort of New Age argument and it could have been used in a New Age way and I mean that technically would have helped the case due to the fact that pretty much every single belief system in existence disproves of abortion, but I thought I'd talk about it a little bit more in detail, and it's with the caption, writes Religious Life, with both of the R's capital and the life capital after that on YouTube, and you can watch it if you want to. Make sure to leave a comment uh, like other people have, and we will. Uh, I, I will get to those comments later on and discuss it, but really the realistic reason here is YouTube doesn't want to accept any form of religious tradition and neither does anyone else really anymore. It almost appears as if you have to go to India, you have to go to Brazil, you have to go to some part of Africa, you have to go to the Middle East, you have to go to some part of somewhere else, anywhere else besides America in order to really respect religious tradition anymore. And essentially Muslim faith can't accept it due to the fact that their belief of Allah to not actually enjoy, you know, murdering the soul is 100% straightforward. Obviously, they have the jihad idea, but that is meant to mirror their form of divine command theory. It's not meant to mirror just slaughtering the innocent. Now, obviously, Catholic faith shouldn't accept it, doesn't accept it, and really any sort of Vatican representation that does accept it, such as the recent instances in Germany, and you can look those articles up if people have not take, taken some of them down yet, but essentially there's a lot of problems going on in Germany where the Catholic Church is basically going directionally opposite the view that it always would have. And quite honestly, pretty much every other type of statement in reality of religion doesn't support it either. The Hinduism, New Age Hinduism, other forms of New Ageism, it all surfaces on the soul and, and surfaces on the soul to not only be in existence but to have importance. And if you don't have importance on the soul, then obviously you don't have importance on the body, which is the whole entire point and the whole entire form of unending illogical uh, retribution. So basically, Basically, if you are in a religious culture, you can't accept abortion. Abortion is an atheist action. Abortion is a nihilistic action, and it's an evil manipulation. The manipulation that people use in New Ageism is actually meant to be a good manipulation. It's meant to be a good manipulation of the soul, and obviously Christian Catholicism and Protestant Christianity and other religions out there that disapprove would say that you're calling on demons, you're calling on spiritual evil in order to do manipulations, and there's all these other constructional uh, decisive points on that. But you can't manipulate the soul by destroying it. And even if you destroy the body, obviously the biblical connection is that you don't destroy the soul necessarily, but if you are hell-bent on destroying the body, then 
you will end up being hell-bent on the soul, or hell-bent on the destruction of the soul. So with that, we will start with the episode, and make sure to watch the YouTube video because YouTube might take it down. In the spring of 2016, which was an obvious wild year, and everyone can attest to that, there was a story where numerous students at Spring Arbor University, where I used to go in Jackson, uh, Jackson, Michigan, openly decided that they would stage a public protest towards the frequent and biblically-based theme of the college. Straight away, non-binary, homosexual, and whatever else, particularly students want to clarify themselves as whatever that was, uh, as numbered within, say, a couple hundred students gathered around the main building to protest biblically-based Bible knowledge and state another idea of God being non-binary and God openly accepting homosexuality. This is a viewpoint that seminaries in Florida, for whatever reason, parts of Texas and other seminaries, even master's degree programs that are meant to thoroughly inspire and instruct ministers, particularly to help youth kids in faith, one being known as CMIYT. I was there during that time, particularly in the semester, and thankfully it was not in any way violent or abrupt to any degree, and thankfully no one decided to throw a Molotov through the window or anything like that, since it was on the main campus of the library particularly. But it is clear that multiple Bible schools and Bible denominational churches are being targeted first in this apparent mindset where you, instead of wanting to have God simply be God and be biblically based in actual theological structure, you want to create this theological structure of who God is based on what you're feeling. For those of you in my audience who are Reformed, you might recall in 2017 when the whole of Christian Reformed PCA, or the Protestant Church in America, decided to turn on itself and cause a need for a decent amount of towards 30% to leave and become associated with the Presbyterian Church of America instead, thereby, of course, confusing everyone else who is still trying to figure out what a denomination means, like that whitehead guy. But here's what the PCA and CRCA state on the term of what homosexuality is meant to actually be represented by and what their actual statements on the pastoral view of acceptance or non-acceptance should be. It says, in short, from crcna.org, the position is this, Christ calls his church to be a place of love, grace, and care, and a welcome for all people, regardless of their sexual attractions. At the same time, our denomination believes that same-sex uh, relationships are incompatible with God's revealed will and plan for human sexuality. From this basic position, several synods have offered important nuance and clarification. For instance, uh, synod has been clear with the same-sex attraction people uh, that people feel are not morally culpable for their attraction and are welcome to serve in all ecclesiastical offices. Additionally, uh, additionally, synods have repeatedly lamented that too few Christian Reformed congregations 
have been places where the same-sex attracted person can find the kind of gracious community where vibrant celibate living is plausible. Our call as churches is to be places where all who struggle with sexual brokenness, which they say all of us, obviously, find gracious homes of acceptance and encouragement to live the life challenging uh, to biblical obedience and to find the gracious homes of acceptance and encouragement of radical obedience pointed towards the scriptures. That was the sign outs of 2022 and 2023 interpreted by the Heidelberg Catechism's treatment of the Seventh Commandment. Now, this at first seems as though it's beneficial. And obviously it is beneficial to accept people the way they are and what, what they're going through to actually counsel them. But however they add on a actual add-on there, they add on a thing to the synod that they mention all the way at the end that has to do with stating that it actually isn't a sin to be homosexual, which is just simply traditionally false. That That has to be clarified as a sin by Christianity-related terms and Catholic Christianity-related terms. It's just simultaneously what has to happen. You can't throw that viewpoint under the bus like that and you can't completely throw away all of these very, very deepened theological interpretations. It's it's the same type of attribute towards abortion from before. You, you, you shouldn't have to completely leave a country and go into another country to actually have this stable point of traditious tradition-related clarity. You have to actually have a hardened viewpoint that does not waver in any particular way, shape, or form. Now, why is this issue currently being raised once again after the CRCNA and the PCA and all those churches did that years ago? Well, February 26th, 2024, there is an issue at Calvin College. Now, at first, I thought it was Calvin College, meaning the Catholic Calvin College, but it was the Reformed Catholic, uh, not Reformed Catholic, but a Reformed Calvin College, which I tend to forget that those are two different places because of the Reformation, the connection to the Reformation, and just because, I guess, why not confuse people more who, again, don't know denominations? But... It was also sort of confusing when I read the article because the president in question tends to look exactly simultaneously similar to uh, if Conor McGregor was uh, reformed and actually took faith seriously and didn't fight in the UFC and wore a suit all the time without uh, cheating on his wife. But anyway, there was an issue with a man who is named... Weeb Bohr, he was the president of Calvin University, Calvin Reformed University, and apparently he had to resign after admitting he engaged in quote-unquote inappropriate communication with a member of the campus community. Now, this is a very, 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 very confused story that Christianity Today covered, and really they didn't cover it 100% the way they should have. Because obviously, yes, they're just quoting what the people said within the story, and they're trying to state everything that occurred, but 
However, they should have been a lot more clear with this, similar to other stories they've done in the past, because it really doesn't make sense. It, it, it starts to make the ex-president look like a sexual deviant when he did absolutely nothing wrong. And obviously it ties back into the homosexual question, and we'll get into that really shortly. But quote from Christianity Today. The report did not include allegations of sexually explicit communication or physical contact, but the alleged, con uh, the alleged conduct is concerning and inappropriate, the trustees said in their statement. University officials said they hired on an outside expert to review the allegations. That review included speaking with Bohr, a former oil executive and a son of Christian Reformed Church Ministries who became... Uh, who became Calvin's president in 2022. After being notified of the report, Dr. Bohr denied some of the allegations, but did admit to sending communications that were inappropriate and inconsistent with the high standard of conduct and character expected of the president of Calvin University. Now, what were these, what, what were these inappropriate allegations exactly? What exactly led them to write this whole article, let, what exactly let everyone to write this whole entire article and make it appear as if the president did something extremely inappropriate deserving of prison time? And you can ask that clear question. Then you can also ask the clearer question as to why the hell an oil executive has to be in this conversation, like why that even matters at all, and why bring the son into it if he's not really affiliated, but it says, and this is the reason, Board became president of Calvin at a time when the school had been under pressure to abide by the rules of the Christian Reformed Church in America, in particular the church's teaching about sexuality. In 2022, the denomination ruled that congregations and church members must abide by church teaching on marriage and sex, which state that only heterosexual sex between uh, heterosexual sex within marriage is allowed. This teaching is now considered a part of the church's core confession and applies to Calvin, which allows openly LGBT students to attend but requires faculty and staff to report the church's confessions. Some faculty, as it states, have asked for a gravamen which allowed them to officially state their concerns about the church doctrine. So, Already, it's decently confused here. It's it's not written in a way that really is cohesively understandable. It sounds like they're saying they disagree with the homosexual doctrine, but then at the same time, it also sounds like they're saying the president, because he's upholding the doctrine, he did completely unrelenting, horrific criminal action. But in short, it states this next. Bohr told Religious News Service that Calvin will continue to be hospitable to its LGBTQ plus students. I don't want to be president of an institution that isn't welcome to everyone, Bohr said. Bohr did not immediately uh, respond to a request for a comment. And the announcement, obviously here, is that well, they don't really explain it, but it essentially means that 
he must have talked about the core doctrines with a student who was LGBTQ+. But the odd thing here is that in this article it states he was a student of the school. However, if you look at the Christian Post, deemed the exact same entitlement of unwelcome inappropriate behavior, now it dubs it unwelcome apparently, but in this article, it says he wasn't even a student at the school. So he wasn't a student at the school. He wasn't affiliated with the son who was testifying within the conversation. And he obviously wasn't affiliated with whoever the hell oil guy is in the conversation for some reason. That kind of seems like a bunch of people just walked past and all of a sudden they're witnesses now. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. But everything is inappropriate only in the state of mind that they don't want to biblically connect homosexuality and Christianity together. Or unless you don't want to do so. And essentially this being such a small school with an enrollment of over about 300 over 3,000 that says, quote, states to equip students to think deeply and act justly and to live wholeheartedly as Christ's agents of the renewal in the world. It's taking all of that out of context. Because if you really wanted to think deeply and act justly, you would, well, think deeply. You think about every type of theology. You think about every type of disagreement You'd have classes on it, which is what Bible-based colleges are meant to do, and you would come to your own conclusion, hopefully the biblical conclusion. What's even weirder and more bizarre is that Bohr's upbringing actually directly goes against everything that the leftists that are currently in this uh, college campus actually state to support. As it says, Bohr was appointed Calvin's president in March of 2022, born in Host, Nigeria, to Christian Reformed missionary parents. Bohr graduated from Calvin in 1997. So in other words, Bohr meets complete perfect qualifications to essentially be safe from the left. Essentially except for the fact where they're just going to treat him like Elon Musk and hate him besides his upbringing and background. So how does this tie in? Well, it ties in very simply. That if you want to be biblically based and have conversations, you can't just simultaneously fire everyone that even talks about a different belief than you. You can't just simultaneously fire every single professor that has even at the very least, the most mild form of different theology. That's what different theology is, and that's what a theology school is meant to overall communicate. In this type of scenario, this will only bring hectic trials for every single type of professor and every single type of minister. It's already hard enough to deal with the fact that even being a lead pastor and a senior pastor Sometimes we'll only give you 50 grand, and it will be even harder that you can't even have any private conversation without getting fired theologically. If you're like me and you absolutely need coffee in the morning, which 
I 100% do like basically every adult, you need black rifle coffee in order to actually get the flavor that you deserve to get in your morning routine. You can choose the Tacky Squatch, the Beyond Black, or the Blacker Than Black, Black Rifle Coffee. There's a Loyalty Roast and so, so, so many more. They are affordable and flavorful and you can get them online. Go online and get 30% off for this month. Make sure to get Black Rifle Coffee and kick out the unflavorful coffee in your morning routine. So there's been another really, really cool breakthrough archaeologically in Israel and particularly in Jerusalem. And actually, not going to lie, for all of those moms out there who really like home decor, this would be an interesting, interesting piece. But from CNBN News... Dot com. There's an unusual ancient stone box from apparently the city of David on display, and they clarify it as a distinctly Jerusalem find. So this is again another biblical evidential proof that the Bible is true. The Bible is 100% real to history. And there's a couple things here that are extremely, just absolutely mind-blowing in particular, and prove a lot of the Old Testament writings, the ancient Judaic writings, and also prove some other uh, contextual writings like the book of Josephus. So essentially it says the box we featured at Jerusalem's Israel Museum looks like an ancient limestone waffle measured almost one foot in length and width with nine compartments. Expressively here it also says that there's burn marks on the sides which tell scientists it was exposed to fire of some kind, indicating evidence of the Roman destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. So this is just absolutely wild. It's absolutely wild and, and incredibly cool. It's basically just as incredibly, just mind-blowing as the Sodom and Gomorrah finds in those areas of the geographical world where there's literal salt uh, salt reservoirs where they don't belong in the middle of the desert, which of course proves the supernatural hardships that the people went through when of course they were doing very, very explicit indicated criminal actions that are just wild beyond comprehension, which is why the whole entire city got destroyed. But this proves, this 100% proves the Romans going against of the Jews at this point in history. Dr. Yavol Brock and Ere Levy, working for the Israel uh, Antiques Authority, said of the discovery, quote, during the excavations of the pilgrimage road where the box was discovered, many objects have been found, testament to the flourishing commercial activity that pl took place along the road during the se Second Temple period. So basically, this is also this is also a connection of when they were basically forced to trade with people they didn't exactly enjoy. And that happened a lot of the time within ancient history, specifically with Rome, because Rome was one of the biggest, most iron fist armies in existence at that particular time for hundreds and hundreds of years. Wildly enough, I feel so one of the reasons why if people could get their hands on this, they, they would want it as an antique in their home just just because I thought before, it 
was maybe an ancient like tic-tac-toe board or something and maybe the romans or you know the ancient israelites came up with tic-tac-toe and that actually wasn't our thing i thought that at first but now adults will want it even more because it's basically an antiques roadshow type of trade so i guess we didn't come up with antiques roadshow either so basically again as Marvel and DC are kind of up and down when it comes to the film scales and if that's what you call that I don't really know what you call it necessarily besides I guess the box office but just in time for Marvel to try to rewrite basically half of what they're doing for stage 5 or stage 6 or stage 475 or whatever it is there's this story from the religious news service and it is interesting to try to put this on the big screen and it's interesting to try to basically, I guess, make another universe version of this hero, even though it still doesn't really work and it's just a political motivation. But here it says from the religious news surface, the idea for Sheik Captain America, a turbaned bearded version of the Marvel comic hero was born. It took more than a year for him to appear on the streets of his native New York City. The creation of Vishav Siav, a writer and illustrator in Harlem, and the photographer Fiona Abaud, who, working on the photo project, Sheik's An American Portrait, the character is a social experiment about what it means to be American and be Sheik in America. Now, it is also a short animated film by Saeed and Ryan Uestra, who recently premiered at the Triplica Film Festival. The film tells the true story of a Saeed uh, 52, who besides inventing ChicTunes.com in the face of anti-Chic bigotry after 9-11, is a performance artist and diversity speaker after a lifetime of facing prejudice, self-doubt, and violence, his animated self as in life finally finds acceptance in a superhero costume he first drew captain america in a turban and a beard in 2011 it took almost a year uh, again to discover it and eventually he he ended up saying that the uh, very last student project in a film school back in 2014 first thing he came up with when shooting it he called it red white and beard Red, white, and beard. So, not not exactly the best, uh, not exactly the best title there. A little bit on the lazy side. And technically, if I'm if I'm being completely honest about it, it is a decently interesting idea. And sure, I know a small, 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 small ab- amount of you know the Marvel universe how it works. I at least, I guess, when I'm bored out of my mind, try to wrap my head around how all the different universes work and, you know, Earth-21 and Earth-37 and whatever else. And to a degree, again, I don't tend to think about that. Apparently, you know, it, it could potentially work. But what Marvel and DC really have to start doing, they have to try to ignore politics more so and just they need to think about the characters it it doesn't it doesn't matter 
exactly you know if if the actor actresses are gay it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you know one of the characters if the writer specifically for it has some sort of you know, sexual orientation that you know no one cares to know exactly because they're watching a superhero movie you, know, you you don't need to throw politics and superhero movies together because the point is the superhero movies are written absolutely terribly unless it's Batman for whatever reason they're written absolutely terribly and then they fight a bad guy and then something happens that's the point of the whole storyline you're not meant to throw politics into everything the people attacking Metropolis is not meant to mirror some sort of political terrorist attack. It's it's just not. It's meant to be a story in the Marvel Universe, and it's meant to be a story in the DC Universe. It's, it's meant to be villain attacks heroes, heroes defeat the villain. That's what the point is, which is why it's often written terribly unless it's Batman. But... You need to steer away more so from politics. You just you just do. And superheroes are not necessarily pr pretty much reality ever. Like you can, you can't you can't move stuff with your mind. You can't fly without doing much of anything. You can't have this like magic related you know step through a portal necessarily. So it doesn't make much sense to throw exact politics in the Marvel and DC universe like this. Now, article even says that people started saying it looked like Osama bin Laden, which, if I'm being honest, yes, it, it does. It does look like that. Because that's what happens when you throw direct politics into superhero novels for whatever reason. And sure, you can, you can put them in the time span of something going on, like a specific Captain America scenario which is what this example is you know during the cold war or you know punisher in the middle of the cold war or something like that that makes sense but they they don't directly cross political avenues as much as this which is just why technically doing so makes them lag and they they don't exactly work well with the whole universe quote unquote because it's it's modern day and it's not meant to actually mold into superhero comic books. Now, interestingly here with this character, I mean, you do have something going. You have something going. You can, you, you can make him have some sort of magical powers. You could, you, honestly, I think it would be better, if we're being for real, to make this character more like Doctor Strange. Like, Maybe make him a Doctor Strange villain. Maybe make him some sort of anti-hero in the Doctor Strange universe. Because honestly, in ancient Middle Eastern culture, when it comes to you know all of these uh, tell people's futures in the middle of the desert and things like that, that actually goes better with the culture than Captain America does. If we're being for real, so that that would have been a better choice going with this and maybe people would know more about it but definitely keep the majority of politics out of the majority of DC and Marvel comics and you continue to 
still not really have the best stories of all time, but you will at least make people fight about, you know, who would win, Batman or Superman, versus, you know, something politically affiliated from 40 years ago or currently today. So Christian News has this report, as we get to hear now before comments of Christian News. And again, I would, I personally would not do this necessarily as quick as they are. I think it would take a, a lot of time and you would have to have priests, pastors bless the place, which I'm assuming they did, potentially. But it, it, it would take a lot of time and effort to do this, and it's still not exactly uh, the best plan. There's a couple of there's a couple of attributes here that are very, very, very much so on the edge, and people from both political standings would probably have or probably should have a problem with this. A notorious strip club in Greenville, South Carolina, previously owned by Platinum Plus, has been reborn as a future home of Hope Church. It's another Hope Church. It's been one year since Hope Church purchased the 20,000 square foot building. Contractors have trashed the interior down to the concrete walls and includes several poles and other gentlemen's club accountament left behind. So that's a good thing. That that's definitely a good thing. So as as I suspected, they're they're actually trying to make it not look like what it was before. Still, at the same time, having uh, the the building be Googleable and having people know that it was once owned by a company that sounds like a sex shop sounds sort of uh, probably unappealing to literally everyone. So that's a, that's a little bit on edge, but at least they're trying to transform the place. Hope Church Pastor Rich Butler. Rich Butler. That is the weirdest. That is that is by far the, the weirdest coincidence probably in the history of anything. Uh, Rich Butler said it was stripped to the concrete, no pun intended. He added how it smelled like smoke in a bar when they first purchased the building. Pastor Butler's wife, Joanne, shared their initial impressions upon entering the building for the first time. We saw signature items that spoke to its last use, A-stage poles, and etc. Rooms once used for private encounters. And this, this is where it gets really, really controversial and probably... All of my reformed friends would not be on board with this, and basically no one would be. Rooms once used for private encounters, and everyone knows what that is, have been demolished to make room for a dedicated space for children's activities. All right, so at least it wasn't what I thought before. I I suspected they didn't bust down the rooms and then rebuild everything, and they were just calling it youth rooms and such. Still, it's a bit on the edge. I I would probably just have used them for storage rooms particularly, and I think that's what every single Reformed uh, individual and non-denominational individual, and especially Catholic individual, would have done. Then again, a lot more Catholic individuals just have solid gold rooms or whatever. But out of everything that you could make those rooms about 
even if they are destroyed and rebuilt, or if they just stood there and they cleaned them or something like that, which has to be the worst job in the world, besides working at a strip club. But that is not at all the type of area that you, that you want for children's activities. You should have uh, put possibly another building next to it for children's activities. I that's that's honestly I think what any single church sector, any single church leadership, uh, any single church uh, priesthood, brotherhood, any single whatever it is, they would have just bought another place that was much much smaller for the youth. It's it's definitely at least in my take it's not the most appropriate thing in the entire universe to make a children's section at what used to be a strip club. I understand the wholehearted reality behind it that it's not it's it's not a strip club anymore. And if it was, it wouldn't be for young individuals. But at the very most, you should bless those rooms with the priest or a pastor definitely multiple times and you just shouldn't use them for youth rooms at all because similar to the Vatican and similar to areas of Italy and areas of places within the world that have a lot of horrific problems when it comes to history when it comes to different types of abuses whatever that may be that type of abuse is demonic and it stays in that area most of the time until it's dealt with. Or it leaves and it comes back, leaves and it comes back. It sounds creepy, it sounds weird, it is creepy, it is it is weird, but that's how it happens. You can't just bust down a room, rebuild it, and this is my opinion, this is a heavily deep theological topic, but you can't just bust down a room, rebuild it, and then act like there wasn't any type of evil lurking there. Act like there wasn't any type of evil going on whatsoever. You have to use a different space, a different building, and even then, you have to continue to bless the area. It's a Catholic theology, and it's honestly just a Christian-based theology. Now, when they talk about, uh, it smelled like smoke in a bar, obviously, I've been affiliated with ministries who have done bar ministry. But here again, you can't have it be youth ministry related to that. You can't have youth ministers, you know, youth like 17, 18 and up, like towards adulthood, help you with this type of ministry in that type of environment. Obviously, you have to all be adults, but that's that's the great divide between ministry acknowledgement. You have to be an adult to do adult ministry and you also have to be an adult to technically do youth ministry while mentoring youth in a correct environment in a correct space so it's not the same it's not the same argument to essentially just communicate well it smelled like a smoke in a bar so you can't do ministry there obviously that's false but it's it's definitely a stretch to buy a strip club it's a stretch and really one of the ways that most pastors would interpret this and the way that I would interpret it alongside of continuous blessing would be to tear the entire place down 
rebuild something in its space and continue to bless it while doing ministry. So in other words, they might have some issues that happen in the future because obviously, and this is a whole other detail, they might have some problems when it comes to criminality in the area because criminals don't just leave after there's a new business somewhere. So they also have to think about that. So in short, this might not be the best appealing decision, but it could press them towards a priesthood and a brotherhood when it comes to blessing the area and actually allowing the area to perform well in ministry. So now let's get to the comment section. Alright, this comment section comes from YouTube and comes from uh, mostly my Discord server. Someone said, The soul is endless and boundless, so why should I be subject to be bound to marriage and having kids? So this is, this is one of the first travesties that people get locked into thinking. It's one of the first theologically flawed ideologies, really, when it comes to sexuality and when it comes to marriage. Uh, well, the soul, yes, is endless and boundless, but I mean, technically it's endless. It's not necessarily boundless because when, when you die, you don't exactly have full control. That's why religion and belief systems are important. And there's definitely a heaven and a hell because of ethics. But when you say endless and boundless, you're, you're separating, you're, you're separating boundless from ethics there. You're basically saying, well, I can be who I want to be, so I should just do things at will, do things at whim. And whenever you do that, you are still bound. You're, you're not boundless. You're bound to whatever you want to be bound to. So boundless doesn't exactly happen. And boundlessness, as it's, as it's not happening, is still overwhelmed by free will. You have free will to be bound to something. You aren't bound to nothing. So, th so this is why you, you should be married. You should have kids. You should want to start a family and you should be bound to that. The really real uh, difference between you know being mature and not being mature, you know, being structured in Christ and not being structured in Christ, being structured in religiosity and faith and not being structured in religiosity and faith is whether or not you want to be bound to a temporary human standard or you want to be bound to God. So you can't necessarily be boundless. And that's what happens when you get into coexistisms and you get into New Ageism. You, you basically get fooled to thinking that you're bound to nothing when you're still bound to what you're, you're, you're bound to. You're, you're bound to the new ageism in that sense, which can, in that sense, lead you to something drastically horrible. So it's, it's not a great idea, but still a question. Airman30 says, I don't think anybody in the medical industry will ever choose to think of it that way. 
There are always so many prominent doctors, and it seems like all of them never lean that way, though I'm in agreement that the soul exists. So, this is basically referring to the YouTube uh, video yesterday, or the day before that, where I talked about uh, the soul, uh, the soul to undermine the abortion argument. Basically, what I said is the soul undermines the abortion argument due to the fact that based on when you have a soul, you can't you can't base human intention on whether to kill a baby or not. Meaning, based on the soul to be in existence and you not be being able to control the soul, you don't have the ethical ability to take both the body away and the soul away, so why would you have the ability to ethically take the body away? So that's basically the argument there. And obviously, yeah, the medical industry doesn't see it that way. And nowadays, medical, the, the medical industry, it, it really shouldn't be referred to as an industry. It really should be referred to as medicine. It should be referred to as wanting to heal someone, wanting to help someone doing no harm, and it really only becomes an industry technically when you're selling a product, and obviously there's products to be sold medically, but you, you shouldn't treat the health concern of someone as an industry. You should treat the health concern of someone as a health concern and medically do no harm, which he's right with that. They probably will never look at it that way, which is horribly unfortunate. And it's good you agree that the soul exists, even though I can't uh, entirely... Uh, for the most part, uh, be able to necessarily know what you think of the soul just by on that sentence. But Josh two three three two one, how does this plan to coexist? Does that prove coexist? Uh, well, no, actually, it doesn't. It doesn't prove coexist because while you're thinking on the soul, you have to be very particular on the soul. You can't believe five things on the soul and have them all be true. You can't believe in the Catholic Christian version of the soul, but then also believe in some sort of boundlessness. It doesn't matter what you believe in, new ageism of the soul. And even in new ageism of the soul, you have to do specific ideas. You have to do actually specific actions in order to receive a certain type of simultaneous response. You have to actually do some sort of tradition, do some sort of action, do some sort of some some sort of form of clarity, some sort of ritual, some sort of relic, some sort of some sort of action in particular. So if you're not doing that, then you're you're not doing that particular tradition. That's why tradition actually matters and that's why New Ageism is one of the wildest traditions in people's lives ever because it basically goes against tradition half the time and it says, well, you can have new ageism with that old tradition and you can just pick and choose what traditions go with that new ageism, which isn't technically how religion is supposed to work. So it, it doesn't actually play into coexist. It actually disproves it and it actually makes people, uh, it should make people want to actually get their beliefs and viewpoints completely straight instead of you know living 50 years and thinking there's something out there and then mixing four belief systems together and hoping it works out. Because every single type of religious prospect 
is meant to be defined by actual traditional standards. Which, again, today, this whole entire episode, we've shown how just on the basis of homosexual doctrine is pretty much undermining the entire church. On that note, thanks for listening. It's the end of the show. And this goes up by today. And I will be moving to Podbean, and I will record the next episode or maybe the episode after the next episode on there. And have a great day. Take care. I will drop the links to Podbean on social media this week.